0: Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone.
1: Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante along with Andy Shea. Andy, my friend, how are you doing today? I know you were a little under the weather this week.
2: Yeah, I I was fighting a cold, so hopefully I don't sound too bad, Jimmy.
1: You do not in fact you sound much better than you did uh yesterday when you and I chatted so good to, good to see you and hear you on the mend
2: thank let's you sir go, thank you
1: let's get started with our let's... show kind of a nice little mix of things with Penn State football here's where I wanted to start though I lo- everyone's starting to come up with their way too early top 25 lists and so on. ESPN came out with theirs this week, and I'd like to talk to you about it. Um, again, these things are, as they say, they're way too early. Their projections. Yeah. A lot could change, but they're fun to talk about. Let's start with this. Let me just, it has Penn State ranked eighth. Let me just list the teams ahead of them. So our listeners could have a little perspective on where this list was going. From the top, it's Georgia, Ohio State, Oregon, Texas, Notre Dame, Ole Miss, Missouri, Penn State 8th, Alabama ninth, Utah 10th. Right. First, let's start with Penn State ranked 8th. feel that's pretty accurate.
2: <laughs> Excuse me, Jimmy. The Colts still fighting it. But um, that feels a little bit. It feels a little bit high to me. I think there is a bit of uneasy feeling about Penn State, partly generated by the new coordinators, partly generated by an offense that, while putting up some sparkling numbers, when the lights were really bright, they barely were able to make a flicker. Right? Like they could barely even make move the needle. Hardly even at all in big games. And and I would include the Ole Miss. They lost the Ole Miss game in the bowl game because Ole Miss's offense and Penn State was compromised on defense. But the offense didn't even like have a say in Penn State being in that game. Middle of the second quarter, you were like, it's the same offense. They can't keep up. They're going to need to keep up for the first time all year, and they couldn't even answer that kind of bell for even you know, a, a, the better part of a half. So there is some serious uneasiness about this offense and its ability to be productive in big games. So talent-wise, across the board, top to bottom, even despite all the losses to NFL draft players, Eight feels about right, but what it kind of the expectations of an understanding of what it actually looked like when it mattered to me, eight feels a little bit too high.
1: Well, let's uh, talk about this a little bit. Andy, here, here's a question for you ranked eighth. What do you think that translates into as far as a, a record a one loss record? is that a an 11 and 1 or is that a 10 and 2
2: oh it's definitely a 10 and 2 okay so it's a 10 and 2 to me at it, eh, you might be 9 and 3 and be in the top 10 i mean you could i mean a, a lot of the top 10 teams are probably when it's going to be interesting to see how rankings play out with you know 34 schools and a lot of power in the SEC and Big 10 playing each other more big games, more games to lose on both sides of the ledger. So 10 and 2 is a smart play under sort of the old mindset, but it could be 9 and 3, Jimmy. It possibly could be.
1: Well, here's the thing. Looking at their schedule, last season it was pretty easy. Here are the well, 10 games they should win, and here are the two games we don't trust them in uh, to win. Okay? And it went just, just as we projected. I feel like this season, there's only one of those games that you think they're probably going to lose, Ohio State. And there's more games that have a little bit of a variable to them. Some games on the road, USC on the road, and Correct. then Wisconsin and even West Virginia, those are games that scare me a little bit on the road. And they have what is Washington at home. Now, I think Washington is going to be down compared to where they were. So I think it's possible that Penn State will be favored in all four of those games I just mentioned. But it doesn't mean they can't trip up on one of those. So I think it's a little different kind of schedule this year.
2: That's what I mean. It's going to be interesting to see how they rank. Because in those two conferences, there's going to be more 50-50 games. There, there just will be I mean the is adding Texas and o, only Texas and only Oklahoma um but it and and they're sticking to their you know number it's of game games schedule right they're sticking to their schedule so they're they're protecting themselves a little bit in this first year um but I think from a Penn State perspective yeah there they' are definitely more toss-up games right like 60 40 50 50 you know, you could say Penn state might be favored in all four of those, but they're probably is, you know, not a point wise, but a 60, 40 favorite, you know, you know, 65, 35 type games, you know, they could possibly lose those. So they're, yeah, they're going to have less to add to the force and 16 misery parade. That's been beating under James for a decade. That's his record against Ohio state and Michigan, by the way. Um, not that Penn State fans need reminded of that because they all know it and they all will tell you that. But um, I think there is a distinct possibility for, for many more toss up games that are going to be high wire acts. It could be 50 50 games down to the last four minutes of the game.
1: Well, I, I think there's no doubt they play more good teams, but fewer great teams. Correct. Great meaning like Ohio State and Michigan. Now, looking at this top five, uh, top twenty-five overall, and specifically at the very top, you've got to look at this and remember: for a twelve-team playoff, it's not the top twelve teams. Correct. There's like three slots are going to be taken up by a group of five team, a you know a Big Twelve winner and an ACC winner. Interestingly enough, and in that top twelve, Andy. There is no ACC team ranked in the top 12. However, one of them will get probably a top four seeding in the playoffs because that's that's the rules. So you've got to look more at the top nine or eight teams because you also have Notre Dame in there as an independent. Right. So
2: Notre-Dame,
1: yep, independent and those two other conference champions in a group of five, there's four slots, leaving eight slots for the Big Ten and the Southeast Conference. This group in that top nine, there's five Southeast Conference teams and three Big Ten teams. Does that kind of calculate what you think you would were going to see?
2: Yeah. So, in a 12-team playoff, and it was – Here's the thing I want to say. Yeah, it's it's not going to be equitable, Jimmy. It, it's it's not. There is no fix to the broken, fractured world that is college football. So you're going to have to reward champions. In this scenario, okay, yeah, being uh, getting one of those slots where you get the buy, it's going to help you a little bit. But at the end of the day. You want opportunity. So if you were five, six, seven, or eight, number eight team in two in two thousand twenty-three, you were going to a bowl game and you were going to play a bowl game, and a good number of your players were leaving and opting out to go to the NFL. In a 12-team playoff, you're in and you have a chance. So I think it's about opportunity, Jimmy. I, I know everyone's gonna to want to talk about. You know who's the seedings and who got in and who's number one and it's not equitable, blah, 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 blah. I I think it's more about opportunity. What I will be paying more attention to, and I think what fans of the Big Ten, Penn State, and college football should be paying more attention to is what are the other seven? Where do they come from, right? Where do the other seven come from that make up the field? Because let's be honest. It could be, you know, is is the number twelve team going to win the college football championship the first year? Probably not. Most likely not. But I think to me, it's going to be important, especially in this first year. I'm going to be paying really close attention to the other seven and where they come from and how that stacks up against who they've played, what kind of schedule they played, and ultimately what conference they come from.
1: Well, we've and we've talked about this before, Andy. The they're going to have to make some decisions here. I've often talked about when, with the 14 playoff, there was essentially no decisions to be made. It was an easy, Very one easy. Lot, number of losses. You lo- lose a second game, you're out. So well, it's just a tiebreaker among the one loss teams. And, you know, we'll give it to the bigger conferences first. But now you're going to have a scenario, as you mentioned, these schedules are going to change quite a bit the Southeast Conference, Big Ten, they're both going to have tougher schedules now. Are you going to have to make some decisions of a three-loss SEC team over, over, say, a two-loss ACC team?
2: Correct. Correct. Those are the decisions that I'm going to be paying attention to because when you've got 34 teams in the SEC and the Big Ten, that's more depth. I mean, look at the top, look at the you know, top 25. Okay, the SEC's got this top 25 way too early. The SEC's got 10 teams and the Big Ten's only got, well, the Big Ten only has four because they don't have much depth. But that's 14 of the 25 top-ranked teams in the country going into this year are from those two conferences. That tells you all you need to know right there, Jimmy. I I mean, of the 12-team college football playoff, I would expect, a minimum of five, minimum, and a maximum of seven to probably come from the SEC and Big Ten. That would be a more legitimate college football playoff.
1: Well, the thing of it is, Andy, with this projected top 25, you've got teams like LSU, Michigan, Oklahoma not making it, okay? And you've got teams like... uh, Utah making it because they're coming from as a potential Big 12 champion. Right. We're going to continue this conversation, Andy, uh, when we get back here for quarter number two. And I've got a couple more specific questions about how this whole selection is going to happen. Stick around for that. Having multiple sportsbook accounts is the simplest way to get the best available odds, and there's never been a better time to sign up. When you visit our page, signupexpert.com slash KSN, you'll be connected to all the sportsbooks in your region. All of these sportsbooks have valuable signup offers for new users, and through our link, you'll automatically receive the top offer at each one. If you want to take advantage of these benefits, sign up for your next sportsbook at signupexpert.com slash KSN, or see the preferred sportsbook button on our app. Team and place you love. This is Jim from the Keystone Sports Network. I'd like to take this opportunity to thank all our loyal listeners. As we approach the football offseason, a reminder that we will be here year round talking Penn State football with all your old favorites, Dustin, T Frank, Andy, and Jeff, along with newcomers, Landon and Sean. But that's not all. We plan on bringing you new shows on our podcast format where we take a more in depth look at not only Penn State football, but also the other Penn State sports. So be sure to download our app, Keystone Sports.
0: It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone.
1: Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. He's Andy Shea, I'm Jim Galanti, and we're talking well, the national picture, ESPN came out with their top 25 way too early, as are a lot of other entities. I'm choosing to use the ESPN one just, just so we have something to look at, Andy. And it has Penn State ranked uh, ranked eighth, which would get them into the playoffs. What's interesting, though, Andy, to, to all of this is how this will work for the Southeast Conference and the Big Ten, we all know that they're going to have a major influence on things going forward. Now, they've had some meetings where they were making some decisions. One change that they made was the previous route was what was called six and six. Six conference winners, six at large. That was when they had five, you know, power five conferences. The Pac 12 did themselves in. They no longer exist. So now it's going to be five and seven, five conference champs and seven at large, which means Big Ten, Southeast Conference, Big 12, and ACC champions, and the highest ranked group of five champion. Now, the rule says that, you know, the top conference champions, but that's the way it's going to work out the big four and one group of five team. Now, the end result of this, though, Andy, is going to be interesting. Using ESPN's top 25, you would have a Florida State team in ranked 15th. They would be one of the top four seeds, though, in the playoffs. That's going to create controversy. What you're also going to have in the playoffs, which will probably be a number 12 seed, is a group of five conference champion. And we always know there's someone from the group of five goes undefeated, sneaks into the top 25. But right now, they have no group of five team listed in this top 25, okay? So theoretically, based on this, you're going to have a team ranked 26th, 27th. Reality is maybe they'll sneak in, be 25th, 24th, 23rd. They are going to make the playoffs, probably be that number 12 seed. And teams like, again, based on this ranking, LSU, Michigan, Oklahoma, will fail to make the playoffs while that group of five team does. Andy, what's going to be the reaction to that?
2: Uh, So I think people are going to focus on that. They're going to be up in arms about it the same way. You know, they're going to. You know this. They don't deserve a buy. They don't deserve this. They they shouldn't be here. I. It's the only. I hate to use the word fair, but it's the only fair way, to start, is to, reward a conference champion. That's the only. I use that word very gingerly, fair because. In today's world, the way college football playoff has quickly evolved, I mean, when the college football playoff era started, that's when the game went from regional to national. And then lately, towards the end of this four team era, there's been a complete, you know, conference realignment, conference power, conference making potential. And it's no longer, you know, the word fair is no longer valid right? Like it, it's, it's just a fractured national game that has a bunch of conferences. It, the word fair isn't really tangible to me, but the only thing you can reward is championships. The only thing you can, uh, you know, start with are conference champions and five and seven, I would prefer four and eight personally, but, um, and make a group of 5 team earn it. But either way, the the Four Power Conference Power 5 Conference cha- or the four conference champions from the conferences that you mentioned ACC, SEC, Big 10 and Big 12 automatically get a top seed, automatically go in. I I I I know it's going to create controversy cuz the Big 10 and SEC now have more depth, but you know they're gonna have. There is an opportunity for them because they're in the tournament. They're in the field. They get to play. All right. So you didn't win your conference championship. That's your fault. Go out and prove that you can win a, a, a national championship if that's your goal and aspiration. You get to prove it on the field. You can talk about it all you want of who's this seed, and that seed. It's a tournament now. It's not just four teams. It's a tournament. It has more than. You know, one round. Basically, it was one round and then the two winners. That's it. That was it. It wasn't a tournament. This is a tournament, and it has depth. It's got a little flavor. And I kind of like the yin and yang of who's going to make it in an 11. You know, say Alabama's 11 and Penn State finishes six, for example, and second in the Big Ten. Guess what? They get to play each other. They get to play each other. I love it. So there is an upside, but it's hard to see. I'm Andy. I love the
1: 12 team playoff for the very reason you just stated. We're going to see some games we would have never seen before, yeah. and they will matter. Unlike Penn State versus Ole Miss, where yeah, nobody cared, including the players, about the end result, this one and end result matters because it will be part of the playoffs. But what's going to happen, and we all know this, is I think there'll be the convergence of two things. One, how these results will come out when you will have, say, a two-lane in the playoffs, but as I pointed out in this these rankings, LSU, Michigan, and Oklahoma would not make it. Combine that, Andy, with the undue influence the Southeast Conference and the Big Ten will have, that power will say hey, wait a minute, how do I get that LSU, Michigan, and Oklahoma into the playoffs? You know what that is, Andy? Automatic qualifiers.
2: Yeah, and automatic qualifiers. The SEC and Big Ten are going to push for automatic qualifiers, and they should. Well, they maybe should push for it, I don't think,
1: but I don't think they should. I think it should be earned on the field, win games, and get in. But the fact is, if they would change this to, you know, a 14 or if they go 14, you know, eventually a hit 16, you know, well, that's where these teams, LSU, Michigan, and Oklahoma, if that were the case, those teams would be making it to the this playoff. And that's what the SEC and the Big Ten wants, more of their teams in there. And if you're talking at-larges, they're the ones who are going to get the spots,
2: Right. The, the college football playoff management council, I think they're called. The, co- the way the conferences have shifted, right? And they set this, what, the 12 team up, what, three years ago when it was looking at what we know as the old realignment, right? And it kind of made sense. There was talk about a 16, but 12 made sense at the time. With the way it was set up, because it felt a little more equitable, but the changes in the in the three years since then, they have to talk fourteen. They have to even they're they're it's eventually headed towards sixteen teams, right, Jimmy? We know that, right? Like you can feel that momentum coming, whether that comes in a twelve now, fourteen in two years, and then sixteen in two years beyond that. But if this is if this is not a six team college football playoff in the next five or six years, I would be shocked because of the power conferences, right? The 34 teams, they have to do something about that.
1: Well, here, here's the problem with it though, Andy, um, they'll run into the same problem they had getting it to 12 teams, which is they now, I, I don't think it's official yet, but it was announced or reported ESPN has bought the rights to this for the next six, seven years, whatever it is. Correct, till 2031. And and they're paying for a 12-team playoff. Correct. That means you've got to renegotiate that again. And is ESPN willing to throw in even more money to make that happen, which is the reason for doing all of this, is eventually to make more money. And the conferences, Southeast Conference, Big Ten, they want those more teams in because it'll be their teams, and the thought is that it means more money. That's why they brought in, you know, Texas and Oklahoma and USC and Oregon and so on. But the mistake is they did the television contract first, so I'm not sure it'll be as quick and automatic just because – these people are incapable of doing anything quickly,
2: Andy. They are. They are incapable. But, Jimmy, they're already talking about a 14-team playoff in 2026. You know, that's pretty quick from not ever having a 12-team college football playoff. Yeah, they were stubborn around the 14 playoff. They were. They, They stuck with it, and they stayed with it for a long time. But I still think the, the changes at the in the SEC and the Big Ten, and don't forget about that little alliance that those two are kind of forming. Um, it's just the pull and push is just too strong for them to be able to hold the water off, Jimmy. I really think it's gonna happen fast.
1: All right, Andy, what's the right number of playoff teams?
2: Sixteen. Under the under the way college football playoff has college football has reshaped itself in the two-conference uh, two t power era, SEC and Big Ten, the only thing that makes sense is 16 teams because you're looking for the best. A 16-team tournament, that is what makes the most sense when you can't use the word fair. And divide it up however you want. That is an equitable share, and that gives the Big Ten and the SEC the depth that they will want and need for their schools.
1: Well, there's no doubt those conferences are going to push for more. And part of it, obviously, is financial. The other part of it is those two conferences, they want to dominate it. And they have teams, as I keep pointing out, a 12-team playoff. There's a lot of teams in those two conferences that think it's their birthright to be in a 12-team playoff. And if it doesn't work out that way, well, then let's make it a 16-team playoff. And that will make sure that we get in there. Uh, The problem is, where is that compromise? Is there such thing as too many? I always previously had pushed for 18 playoff. I became convinced I like the 12-team now. I'm afraid six. I think 16 might be a little much. But Andy, we're going to have plenty of time to talk about these issues as we get through the summer. But right now, we got to take your questions and ask Andy. Stay tuned for that. Having multiple sportsbook accounts is the simplest way to get the best available odds, and there's never been a better time to sign up. When you visit our page, signupexpert.com slash KSN, you'll be connected to all the sportsbooks in your region. All of these sportsbooks have valuable sign-up offers for new users, and through our link, you'll automatically receive the top offer at each one. If you want to take advantage of these benefits, sign up for your next sportsbook at signupexpert.com slash KSN, or see the preferred sportsbook button on our app. and place you love. This is Jim from the Keystone Sports Network. I'd like to take this opportunity to thank all our loyal listeners as we approach the football offseason a reminder that we will be here year round talking penn state football with all your old favorites dustin t frank andy and jeff along with newcomers landon and sean but that's not all we plan on bringing you new shows on our podcast format where we take a more in-depth look at not only penn state football but also the other penn state sports so be sure to download our app keystone sports
0: Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at keystonesportsnetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone.
1: Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim. He is Andy. It's quarter number three, Andy. That means it's time to ask Andy. This is where we take your questions for Andy. Andy. And if you want to send in a question really easy, just download our app, Keystone Sports. You'll see the Ask Andy button. Well, it's actually an Ask Andy or Ask T. Frank button. And you just go from there, like our friend Tim from Port Matilda did. Now, Tim is our buddy who, whenever he sends a question, he wants to send as long a question as he possibly can. So, Andy, I will show you real quickly here, Andy. You got to look. This is Tim's question. OK, well, wow, that's
2: what we Tim does. A you need we need to have a podcast <laughs> and you ask the question. And then the second <laughs> half, I'll give you my short answer.
1: Well, let's shorten Tim's question a bit and just get to the heart of it. Tim says, uh, guys, I was listening to your conversation, Jim, with Chris about the interest in the regular season with the expanded playoffs. Just to give you the highlight of that, Andy, it was my take that. A 12-team playoff will actually create more interest in the regular season because more games will count, will be a factor. 100% agree. And he says, my belief more interest is going to be generated also. Here's how I'd break it down. There's three tiers of entry. Top four teams that will get to buy. The second tier, the next four teams that will get to host a playoff game. And the next four teams that will get in jockeying for a position just to get into the playoff. So, Andy, do you agree with Jim and Tim?
2: Yeah, I I couldn't 100%. I couldn't agree more. I You're going to look at, I think the levels from my perspective are a little bit different. You're looking at your championships, your championship teams. Those are your teams that could win a, champion, uh, a conference championship, right? Those are your champions. Those are your potential buy teams, right? Like, conference championship does not guarantee you anything in the thing, but it's the championship level. What are your championship level caliber teams? Who are your contenders, right? Who are your, they're, they're playing football, good football, but they're not going to be championship contenders right now, but they could be in the field. I think though, I kind of break it down into the two levels. Who are your championship caliber teams and who are your contenders? And then, do you have a shot? Can we get in? Those are that's the third level for me. Can we can we be the little engine that could? Can we win our last two games or last three games and and make our case and have a stake and you know have a chance? I think that keeps your interest generated because if you're a contender, you're you're then looking at how can we get to the level of you know. Are we able to compete as a championship team? So I think it's leveling up, and I, I think it creates much more, much more.
1: Yeah. I, I, I think, Tim, you're exactly right, and I think setting those tiers is the way to do it. It makes games for each of those positions uh, very important. All right, let's go to... Well, I don't know if you want this question or not. I'll take it if you don't, Andy. Paul Fermetting says, Hey, Andy, I don't know if you guys pay attention to hoops, but I was interested in your thought after Penn State basketball beat Illinois the other night. Are they actually better without Kanye Cleary?
2: That's the kid who got uh, removed from the team coach's decision is what I read about. And so... I will, I will take this on and I will bring a football spin to it, right? And it goes to the NFL. But something, when it, that sudden happens to, uh, you know, a single player and it's identified and presented the way, you know, Penn State basketball presented it, it was not a single trick pony. There wasn't just one issue. And the issues that were being had we're carrying over into the locker room and we're impacting the greater good. In other words, this was this was a problem that one person was creating for others, right? And they were creating problems for themselves and they were creating problems obviously between the coach and the player. Those are those are different issues than if they start to impact others in the locker room. So, this was affecting the whole and greater good, and I look at, you know, something happened with the Philadelphia Eagles this year from when they were 10 and 1 and it happened inside that there was something went on in that locker room with strong leadership that it just became untenable and that's when you have to make kind of big changes or make a hard decision because it affects the greater picture rather than just one or two individuals so i thought this was a this was a bold move by Penn State
1: I I do watch the basketball team, and I do watch it closely. And this conversation started a couple of weeks ago when Kanye Cleary missed a couple games because he was injured, and they won those games. They played perhaps their best games. So that became the discussion. My quick take, I don't think they're necessarily a better team without him. He's a tremendously talented player. Yes. What happened, though, was when he came back, They were slowly integrating him in. He was struggling a bit. And I wonder, I get the feeling that was part of the whole conversation that was going on. He probably wasn't happy with his playing time. But regardless, you know, the question of are they better without him? I think specifically, uh, Ace Baldwin is a better player without Kanye Clary in the lineup because there's no doubt the ball goes into Ace Baldwin's hands. He takes control of it. When you're a point guard, you want the ball in your hands. You want to control the game. And that became clear-cut without Kanye in the lineup. It became Ace's ball, Ace's team, without a doubt. Now, there were also a couple disappointing losses in this span also without Kanye Clary there. And what I think the difference is Ace Baldwin, I want the ball in his hands, but he needs some help. It's the game when you see the supporting cast play well. And Wednesday night, uh, you had Kern playing well. You had Hicks doing some things. You had the big guy at center doing some good good things. He got support. But uh, anyway, going forward, as you pointed out, bold decision by the coach. I respect the coach for making that kind of decision. Um, And I I think Mike Rhodes is going to be successful here, Andy. All right, let's move on. Let's go to uh, my good friend Steve from Potomac, Maryland. He says, Andy, I asked you last year whether you thought Aller would be better than Hackenberg, and you said no. Do you think last season reaffirmed your belief, and do you think Aller can improve significantly this season, or at this point, is he what he is?
2: No, I do. I, um, I (laughs) hadn't, I hadn't, I was last year was, I hadn't seen enough and there's, there's all this potential. And I just, I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't going to choose him. And right now I wouldn't choose. I wouldn't be able to say definitively one or the other. Um, I think, I think, Drew Aller is still a bit of an untapped resource. How's that, Jimmy? I think there is more in there. Whether or not you know a new offensive coordinator can drag that out of him, I just I think he needs a little more maturity as a player. Like he's really hard on himself, and he his head hangs and his shoulders shrug, and he's taking on a lot more responsibility as the quarterback than I think he needs to be taking on. I think he just needs to lighten up Francis a little bit and play. And he has to stop thinking and start playing. And I think this coordinator needs to bring that out in him because clearly the one difference when the other quarterback Oprah Bullock comes on the field. That guy ain't thinking a lick. He's just playing, and and I understand how smart Drew Aller is. It is. It's something they all talk. How how dedicated he is. How smart he is. How hard he works, right? But he just looks a little bit right now like he's thinking and not playing. And I think if he would, if he could get him across the line a little bit to playing a little more than thinking, he is a serious untapped potential in my opinion. Because some of the throws last year that you saw, they're NFL throws. He can make the throws. It's the secondary things that he has to sort of come around at. I think he's a serious untapped potential. Whereas once Christian Hackenberg sort of got what they say is quarterback PTSD when his head was down and he couldn't get his face mask up because he was you know, getting hit so much and under so much duress, you can't fix that. That just is unfixable. It can't go away, and I don't think Drew Aller has that, so I I think Drew Aller, to me, Steve, he's the guy that I think will be the better of the two in the end.
1: Definitely a higher ceiling. Hopefully we'll see it. Okay, let's get to Harry in Binghamton who says, Andy, could we see more portal entries in the spring window, and what positions would you look to fill?
2: oh uh well they've got a scholarship limit um, you will see more spring transfer portals in that window the, the spring ball clarifies a roster right like the roster gets a little more clarified during spring ball um I, what positions do they need whoa uh maybe you take a slot corner I uh, if there's one that wants to come to Penn State and compete for it, um, you're you're never bad taking offensive linemen. Everyone's gonna say wide receiver, right? But they've got a dozen of them. So and they've got scholarship limits. So I I'd always take offensive linemen and I, I, I think a slot corner might be something that would be a deeper second level target.
1: I'm going to go with the crowd here, Andy, and say wide receiver. Wide receiver. And, and again, there's a lot of numbers at wide receiver, but not guys necessarily that you count on. I think they're at a point now where I don't think they would just take anybody that right. lists wide receiver as their position. I think they would take a guy that they said, you know what? That's a guy who I think could help us. And remember, though, in this the spring's a little bit different. The majority of guys who are going to become available in the spring are guys who went through spring practice and found out they're not in the rotation. I'm third team. I'm not going to get on the field. So you aren't necessarily going to get the highest caliber guys here. It would have to be, I think, that special, unique talent who happens to be available then. All right. That's it for Ask Andy. Stick around. We've got one more quarter to go. Stay tuned. Having multiple sportsbook accounts is the simplest way to get the best available odds, and there's never been a better time to sign up. When you visit our page, signupexpert.com slash KSN, you'll be connected to all the sportsbooks in your region. All of these sportsbooks have valuable sign-up offers for new users, and through our link, you'll automatically receive the top offer at each one. If you want to take advantage of these benefits, sign up for your next sportsbook at signupexpert.com slash KSN, or see the preferred sportsbook button on our app. for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. This is Jim from the Keystone Sports Network. I'd like to take this opportunity to thank all our loyal listeners. As we approach the football offseason, a reminder that we will be here year-round talking Penn State football with all your old favorites, Dustin, T. Frank, Andy, and Jeff, along with newcomers Landon and Sean. But that's not all. We plan on bringing you new shows on our podcast format where we take a more in-depth look at not only Penn State football, but also the other Penn State sports. So be sure to download our app, Keystone Sports.
0: We head to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone.
1: Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show, quarter number four. He's Andy, I'm Jim. We had a nice Ask Andy segment. Now, Andy, I kind of want to get back to the conversation we were having earlier. We were talking about uh, ESPN's way too early top 25 that had Penn State ranked eighth. And, you know, I asked you, was that a correct ranking? I think overall you kind of felt that's about where they belong. And what was interesting, though, was another article about – it said – Who are the coaches that have something to prove this season? And James Franklin's name came up on that list. I'm curious, do you think James Franklin has something to prove this year?
2: In the, okay, on two fronts, I am going to say, I do. Yeah, I really do on two fronts. I think where James has guided this program to He could never crack the glass ceiling of the college football playoffs in the four-team era. I mean, despite four 11-win seasons and a Big Ten title to his name as the Penn State coach, he was never able to crack that ceiling. Now, the reasons why are the list is long, and we're not going to talk about that. There was a ceiling that he couldn't crack, and it was the college football playoffs. 12 teams, right? 12 teams. If you have four 11-win seasons and win a Big Ten title, you are a college football playoff perennial team. That is, generally speaking, three out of four, four out of five years, you should be among the teams in the college football playoff in a 12-team era. This year in particular, the first year of Expanded, there's a little bit of roster flux in there, but I would also argue that why James Franklin has to prove it is this team underperformed last year, Jimmy, right? For what they had, the depth, the talent, you know, both sides of the ball, but particularly on the defensive side of the ball where the defense carried a lot of water up the hill. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, Jimmy, 10-3 and 3 was that's that's a disappointing end it, it, for what you the product that you had built and the team you had put on the field 10 and 3 was underperforming there's no other way to put it so you can erase that quickly and move forward by taking a little bit less but still not short on much talent you could take a little bit less and it's time to do a little bit more and there is opportunity in the 12 team college football playoffs, so that's why I think he has something to prove because it's a glass ceiling, the college football playoffs, with him as a Penn State coach that the Nittany Lions were never able to crack. And I know it's expanded, but it still is only 12 teams, Jimmy. We are a college football playoff team. There's merit
1: to that. For many years, this you know, uh, well, here's his record against top 10 teams. Well, those top 10 teams are top 10 because they win their games. Right. And if you have other coaches and you put them up against Ohio State or Alabama or Georgia, guess what? They're going to have, uh, you know, one in 10 records or things like that also. So I didn't go as crazy about it. But what I didn't like about this year's team was, they went into it definitely the favorite in 10 games and they won those 10 games yep but in the two games michigan and ohio state for the first time i thought they matched up talent wise
2: level and level playing field 100% The against.
1: offense did not come to play it was yep. dis- they they disappointed andy so i was disappointed in that <laughs> now what's interesting and i'm going to circle back to that projected top 25 and penn state schedule again this coming year they're going to play ohio state and we always ohio state is loaded for bear this year they brought in a lot of portal talent we know they're among the very top teams talent wise penn state could lose that game go 11 and 1 which i think most people would say you go 11 and 1 You've done your job. You've done really well. But based on that top 25 that ESPN put out, they could be an 11 and 1 team and not be a top 25 team. Be
2: not be 11 and 1 and not be a top 25? No, no, no.
1: Not beat. Not beat. Oh, not beat a top 25. It could be the case where Ohio State is the only top 25 team on their schedule, Andy.
2: Yeah. Oh, I see where you're going, Jimmy. Okay. I caught up. I had to catch up. Yeah, you're talking about wins, right? Like that. I don't think overall, when you look at James, you know, yes, you're. I I agree with you. Eleven to one means they're championship caliber. That pretty much puts them in the Big Ten championship game. I would think, right? Unless somebody other than Ohio State goes crazy.
1: Well, Oregon is in this preseason ranking. They have Ohio State second and Oregon third. Correct feeling. Both Ohio State and Oregon, their over under for number of wins is like 10 and a half. Okay. They are considered the two best teams. Now they are going to play each other. Correct. Okay. And let's say one of the two teams finishes 12 and 0, the other one 11 and 1, and Penn State finishes 11 and 1. If they're going to use rankings to determine who gets into that conference championship game, it's going to be Ohio State and Oregon not sure.
2: I don't disagree with that, but I'm saying 11 and one puts Penn state at championship caliber, right? Like they're part of the conversation. They've got a stake in the game and they head into the college football playoffs. We only our only losses to Ohio state. What's to say we can't compete and win this thing. You know what I mean? Like that, that puts them at, you know, a championship and a contender caliber level. I, I don't think it's never, James's sort of, you know, thing at Penn State, it's not about he wins games. Like you, you're you're measured on your you know, wins and losses, and he wins. You know, his winning percentage at Penn State is what's nearly seventy three percent.
1: Well, Andy, let me let me interrupt you there. So, I guess the question is, what does he have to do to prove something? I guess I was putting out there: is it possible he could go eleven and one? And still has not proven anything because Ohio State's the only top team on his schedule. Does he not only have to make the playoffs, does he have to win a playoff game?
2: Yeah, I don't think in in one. Are you asking me if if in 2024, if Penn State not only has to make the playoffs, they have to win a game for James to have proved something? Yes. No, I, I, I don't think you prove it in one season. I think you prove it over time. I think you look at a three-year window in the college football playoffs, for example. His contract is a long-term. You look at it for three years. They make the college football playoffs three years in a row as a 12-team, and they go 0-3 in those games? That's a problem. There you've got a legitimate problem. Okay, you make it, but you can't get to the next level. It's the same glass ceiling, right? It's the same thing. Now you can't be successful against better teams his it's not winning it's winning against quality that james has a problem with at penn state it's not winning because he wins a lot of football games it's winning against level competition when the field is more level he's got to do more of that
1: well see that's that's what i'm saying andy what is the difference between you know last season going 10 and 2 losing the only two meaningful games then losing your bowl game this year going 10 and 2 making the playoffs or i even put it out conceivably going 11 and 1 and still not beating a good team and you get into the playoffs and again you it's the first time other than ohio state you're playing a decent team and you lose it if we're talking about this season would that end result be the same critics of james franklin are just going to say same old same old
2: Yeah, no, it would be it's the it would be the same criticism, but it's a I I don't think you can say it's a one season you know make or break type thing. It it would be it would not be a surprise to a degree. It would fit the mold of of you know James at Penn State is wins a lot of football games, but doesn't win when a lot when the playing field is more level and. You know, that is, I think that's really, you know, the biggest overarching national criticism of, you know, James does a lot of things well. James Franklin runs a really good program. I meet, mean, blah, 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 you know, and it's all good stuff. They put all, however, against quality teams in big games, Penn State does not perform. And it's not that you lose. Like, losing those games, remember when Barkley was playing, they'd lost those games at Ohio State. They were gut wrenches. They were great football games. They were 50-50 games. And these last couple of years against Michigan and Ohio State, Jimmy, they haven't been fair fights to a degree. Maybe the Ohio State won for a little bit. But last year against those two teams, for the most part, they kind of got monkey-stopped.
1: Well, Andy, you know, and I've been pretty much Andy. a – I've been a James Franklin supporter and, and still am. And going forward, you know, making the playoffs, I'll still say that's better than the vast majority of teams. But if we're talking about, and I'm not talking about him uh, losing his job, okay? Right. I'm not. And you don't fire a 10-2 and two or 11-1 and one coach because he loses in the first round of the playoffs. But what I'm talking about is that Uh, A national, uh, you know, feeling about James Franklin, which is, you know, we keep seeing these he's two and three hundred fifty eight against top ten teams or whatever it is. Right. And he can't win a big game. And if he gets, you know, eleven and one, ten and two, he can get to ten and two without winning a big game, Andy. okay, just like last season, he didn't win a big game and still got to ten wins. The difference is he could get to 10 wins again without winning a big game, get into the playoffs. My feeling is for him to, quote-unquote, prove anything, he would have to win one of those games because it's not going to be against necessarily you know the number one or two-ranked team in the country. It could be like they're playing the number seven, eight, nine, tenth-ranked team. And if they don't win that game, I get the nothing changes. James Franklin hasn't proven anything. So Andy, and that's, that's for me, a James Franklin supporter. So maybe I'm setting the bar pretty high for him this season. Andy, unfortunately, that's going to have to be the last word. It went fast again, my friend, but that is it. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Having multiple sportsbook accounts is the simplest way to get the best available odds, and there's never been a better time to sign up. When you visit our page, signupexpert.com slash KSN, you'll be connected to all the sportsbooks in your region. All of these sportsbooks have valuable signup offers for new users, and through our link, you'll automatically receive the top offer at each one. If you want to take advantage of these benefits, sign up for your next sportsbook at signupexpert.com slash KSN or see the preferred sportsbook button on our app. And place you love. This is Jim from the Keystone Sports Network. I'd like to take this opportunity to thank all our loyal listeners. As we approach the football offseason, a reminder that we will be here year round talking Penn State football with all your old favorites, Dustin, T Frank, Andy, and Jeff, along with newcomers, Landon and Sean. But that's not all. We plan on bringing you new shows on our podcast format where we take a more in depth look at not only Penn State football, but also the other Penn State sports. So be sure to download our app Keystone Sports.